because the timing might not match up. But I was selling out Madison Square Garden when you were marking out for Rosie O'Donnell. This is Marking Out Pro Wrestling Talk for Pro Wrestling Fans. We marking out y'all. Follow on Twitter. Pro Wrestling Talk for Pro Wrestling Fans. We marking out y'all. Marking Out Pro Wrestling Talk for Pro Wrestling Fans. We marking out y'all. Running like this. Pro Wrestling Talk for Pro Wrestling Fans. We marking out y'all. Marking out. Pro Wrestling Talk by Pro Wrestling Fans. Welcome to Marking Out. Pro Wrestling Talk by Pro Wrestling Fans. This is episode 564. My name is Dave the Rave, and you can check me out on Twitter and Instagram at DavidPTDPT. And don't forget, most important, to check out Markin' Out at Markin' Out on Twitter. Check us out on Instagram, Markin' Out 11, MarkinOut.com, Pro Wrestling Tees. Go check out Pro Wrestling Tees. We got a Black Friday sale, 20, that is right, 20% off. That means you can go over there, you can buy one shirt, two shirts, three, four, five, as many as you want for 20% off. Because who doesn't want the gift that keeps on giving? That is a marking out t-shirt for the holiday season. So make sure you head over there. Go purchase it. Also head on over to manscaped.com and apply the discount regardless. And also in addition to everything else, make sure you check us out on Twitch and on Instagram and on YouTube and on every single place that you can find us. Make sure you find us. But someone you should definitely be finding is Brandon. Go check him out at BTTG161. Hey, Brandon, how are you? I am doing awesome as always. How about yourself? I am doing great. And also, I am going to say, make sure that you also find Chris at Chris Dog. So make sure you check him out. Check Brandon out. Check me out. And as collective, make sure that you check out Markin Out. Now, Brandon, how was your week tell the listeners it was pretty good i uh i went on an andrew garfield movie binge kind of by accident i guess oh wow there's actually more than two movies that you can do that <laughs> yeah well so the trailer for like, spider-man well, one, and, one and a half one was like a short movie no there i think he's in a lot of movies he's been on uh broadway stage too so what was he in uh it was an angels i was gonna say angels and airways but that doesn't sound right. <laughs> yep. No, that was the band. Yeah. The guy from Blink-182. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Andrew Garfield was on Broadway in a show called Angels. What was it called? In the outfield. Uh, Angels in America. I'm not aware of it. Yeah. Okay, so how was the movie binge? So, because the Spider-Man No Way Home trailer came out the other week and it contains villains from the amazing spider-man movies i went looking for where i can watch them Uh uh-huh the first one was on the tnt app the second one was nowhere to be found so i went to amazon i picked up a combo pack of the blu-ray and friday night after recording i ended up watching tick tick boom which stars 
Andrew Garfield as Jonathan Larson, who is the creator of the musical of the same name as well as Rent. So I thought that was pretty good. It's it's a crazy story. I had no idea that the dude passed away, literally passed away the night they were supposed to be opening Rent. Hey. In public. He passed away. He had like a, an aortic aneurysm or something. So they uh-huh. so they pushed it to the to the night after that and uh he never actually got to see rent publicly. Oh, that's which awful. Is crazy because that ran for so many years on Broadway and definitely picked up Tony Awards. So he never got to see his success, but that movie's on Netflix starring Andrew Garfield. And then Saturday I watched The Amazing Spider Man one and two. And I really, okay. I don't know why people hated them so much. I didn't mind them. I enjoyed them. It was nice to see Stan Lee cameos that I haven't seen before. What do you mean? You've never seen them before? No. Why would I, why would I buy the movies if I've seen them? I went out of my way because they're going, the the not necessarily what do you mean? Like Garfield's in it, but. I've but never like seen the amazing, been in them. the amazing Spider-Man 1 and 2. Yeah, but I mean, Stanley's always been in them. Right, but it's, I'm saying it's nice to see cameos of his that I've not seen before. Ah, gotcha, gotcha. Right, like I've Very seen cool. Spider-Man yeah, I... 1 through 3 with Tobey Maguire, mm-hmm. and I was just, I never saw the the Andrew Garfield movies. Huh. But I, I enjoyed them. Uh, there were some things that were like, eh, I wish they didn't do this, but overall, I, I really liked him. So I don't know what people are talking about. I was a fan of it. You know, I didn't see anything wrong with it or anything. Uh, I definitely liked it. Um, was he I am like excited. The, was he the nerdiest guy to play Peter Parker? I don't think so, but I don't think so either, but I am definitely excited for this new, uh, this new movie. You know, that trailer was incredible. And I think that it's going to be so, it's so, uh, such a like Mark thing uh, to just be so excited for all of those things, to be excited for um, all these cam. I mean, guess, I guess they're not cameos because no, they yeah, are going really. to be in the movie. And it's like, I don't even, I mean, if, I, if Tobey Maguire and Andrew Garfield don't actually end up in the movie, I'm fine with that. But, yeah, I'm... because we're still getting all these villains from the movies. And yeah, I like I'm, in the trailer I... when Doc Ock goes, "You're not Peter Parker." Ooh, that was a good one. <laughs> I actually saw him in Fiddler in, on the Roof. Uh, where did you see Fiddler on the Roof? Uh, in a theater, like on Broadway. Yeah, I did yeah, not he... know you went to see Fiddler. Yeah, yeah, he was actually in it. That's um, but crazy. Where yeah? How but what age were you? It was around actually when he was Doc Ock. What? It was around that time. Yeah, it was either right before it or right after it. I had no idea. I think it was after. I think it was after it. It's funny because I saw. Well, I mean, not to say that he's Alfred Molina is not related to pro wrestling. I was going to say it's funny because I saw somebody on Broadway that's related to pro wrestling, but when I went <laughs> to see Little Shop of Horrors on Broadway. Rob Bartlett was Mr. Bushnick. <laughs> that's awesome. <laughs> and that's Bartlett, like the, one of the him. most random wrestling related people to have seen live. That's 
I remember I seeing him watching him on commentary. Bartlett, by the way. Yeah, I remember watching him on commentary. But yeah, this that that trailer got me so pumped up. I mean, the fact that like they showed Lizard um, too, which is like he was. I feel like he was kind of hidden in caught in all of it. Like they featured everybody else. Yeah, but Lizard wasn't really a full fledged face on there. Um, I mean, obviously they're going with the Sinister Six. And it's just yeah, so, so cool obvious. to, s- <laughs> but it's so cool. It's so cool that they are incorporating this, and now they're saying how it's different multiverses, you know? Right. Um. So each timeline is totally different. So it really makes you wonder what they may potentially do in the future with other movies. Yeah. It's and- just. I mean. And you really? did, you Honestly, did. By Disney? the way, you did see him when Spider Man Two came out because he was in there from '04 to '05. Yeah, there you go. You know, um, but I think that what Disney has done to the Marvel Universe, the MCU, is incredible. Yeah, it really is, and it and it all started with Spider Man. Mm. I mean, yeah, it all started with Spider Man with the. Uh, I guess the resurfacing and rejuvenation of that entire comic book movie esque aspect. Cause Spider-Man was the first one that really came out where it caught, where it broke all of the records and got attention of, Oh, okay. I guess these comic book movies can actually be a uh, box office hits. So mm. I think that's cool. Did Spider-Man yeah, the, do that or with, what? Yeah. It's with, with Tobey Maguire or did X-Men also Spider-Man was first. No, X-Men was 2000. Spider-Man 1 was 2001. I think. Are you sure? I'm I think Spider-Man certain. was like 19... No. I think Spider-Man was first. Spider-Man 1. No, Spider-Man 1 says 2001. Uh, 2002, X- I mean. 2002. And X-Men was when? X-Men was 2000. Really? Yeah. For some reason, I well, Spider X Men didn't break the records, though. I don't believe. I think box office wise, uh, Spider Man box was office the, they made two hundred ninety six million. But check out Spider Man now. I think Spider Man was like the number one box office smash, and that really Spider Man uh, kicked down the door. Yeah, Spider Man took in eight hundred twenty one million. Yeah, so that's the thing. I think X-Men came out, and it may have gotten talk and stuff, but Spider-Man was really the one that kicked down that door. But, of, but oh, X-Men, wow, 2, X-Men 2 took home $407 million, so it was increasing. So 100% X-Men kicked it off. Sorry, you can't say Spider-Man kicked it off. <laughs> no, no, you're, you're correct. You're correct. But, I, but you could say that Spider-Man really did... Yeah, make but, it into but like it was uh, it highlighted kept, as a billion dollar potential. But X Men grew into X Men Two, and then X Men Two that grew that doubled for Spider Man. So it it kept going. Yeah, it didn't like decrease or anything. So no, that's very true. Very true. Well, talking about going, not going. Let's start going on to some Survivor oh, wait, wait, series. I'm not even done talking about my week, brother. Oh, my apologies. Brandon, please keep on going. What else? It what was, else you got for it us? It was Thanksgiving. It was Thanksgiving. I, uh, I, like I mentioned 
last week I was going to be making stuffing. I was going to be making the green bean casserole from scratch. Uh-huh. And uh, I was, man, I was so tired from doing all that and cleaning everything up in between. But I thought the, the both dishes were pretty good. I, um, I think that the mushroom soup that I made for the green bean casserole is like super spot on and like one of the greatest things I might have ever cooked. Nice. Very cool. I thought it was really good. And also, uh, just to mention the fact that I, it's now Christmas time, 100%, because I saw the Hershey's Kisses commercial on TV. Yeah. My, uh, yeah, my that's favorite been going commercial on. of all time. That's been going on forever. I mean, breaking, breaking kayfabe, today is Thanksgiving. Yeah, but, but- uh, <laughs> it, it, it passed. <laughs> yeah, I mean, when they listen to it, yes, but... You know. I did, in fact, eat my dishes, 100%. I didn't, I didn't make that up. That's a shoot. Oh, yeah, no, I'm sure you, you, you did, you know. I had that's... to taste, because if I'm bringing it to the to a place, I don't want to, like... I don't want no, it to end can't. up not being good, and they're like, "Oh, no, no." I'm I'm going to be heading over to my grandpa's. Uh, he's actually turning ninety nine years old next year. Ninety nine years old next year, so gonna go over there for Thanksgiving. Where are you going to go? Well, where did you go? My if you really want to not break it. <laughs> <laughs> nice, very cool, very cool. And how was your Thanksgiving there? We could discuss that next week. <laughs> Yeah. Kayfabe son of a <laughs> Beep Yeah Yeah Very cool Anything else? No that's about it Anything with you? No no nothing at all But Thanksgiving goes hand in hand With Survivor Series Always So let's talk about Survivor Series. Growing up, I always loved Survivor Series. I always loved that aspect of the team versus the team. They always always had corny, cheesy names and the team pictures even. And that's like they don't really – I don't know. I feel like that that aspect has been lost. Somewhat. uh, 100% I I I agree with that. Yeah. I feel like we we should have like more – like we used to have multiple uh, multi-team matches. It's not that aspect anymore. Like, there's only that what, the females and the males, and then that's it. Yeah. I feel like we need more. Well, because now they just make it Raw versus SmackDown. Back then, they didn't have that. Yeah, but even Raw versus SmackDown, I feel like let's have more uh, matches that are multi. Like, you don't need uh, everybody to have... You you just have your, your big championship match, like the women's match, the WWE match, and then... That's it. The rest could be the entire, uh, comb- the in- entire tagging aspect. Yeah, and it would be nice if like they won something for it. Yeah, I mean, plus it gets more people on the roster involved, especially when you're doing if you're doing like a Raw versus SmackDown thing, which I still don't understand why NXT is not included in this. Like, what's the point of including them in one year and then dropping them? Another year being like, nah, you know, all of you guys on NXT, you are not ready for Survivor Series. Even though that Survivor Series, they were incredible. And it was the talk of the town. So I think that's really poor booking and creative-wise. Yeah. Um, and with mentioning the, uh, the, the random teams and everything, they mm-hmm. had The Undertaker on the bump before... 
Survivor Series. And they brought up when he teamed on uh, the American team. And he had mm-hmm. the Betsy Ross flag sewed into his jacket. <laughs> and he said he hated that. He thought it wouldn't. It's not a fit at all for Undertaker. But I think he was saying how Vince was like really pushing for it. And explaining mm-hmm. that it works with the dead man character because it's the Betsy Ross flag as opposed to like the actual American flag. But it was yeah. just funny because he was like, I, it, I hated that. That I don't know where the flag is. It's definitely not in the jacket anymore. <laughs> At least he's not Eggman. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> but uh, Survivor Series did take place this past weekend at Barclays Center in Brooklyn, New York. The kickoff show taking place outside of Barclays, which might be the first kickoff show that takes uh, takes place outside of a venue, but I'm not 100% sure. I thought that was interesting. Uh-huh. On that kickoff show, though, we saw Shinsuke Nakamura pick up the victory over Damian Priest via disqualification. The Intercontinental Champion versus the U.S. Champion. No explanation as to where Damian Priest has been. It'd been about a month since we've seen him. Yeah, it's been a while. But it was a decent match, though. I liked Shinsuke Nakamura doing Damian Priest's archer taunt. And I definitely thought that Damian Priest was going to be winning this match, but we had Damian Priest have uh, Nakamura in a submission where Rick Boogs then starts playing guitar. He hyped Nakamura up with it. Yeah, I hated this. I hated this. I hated this this entire thing with the guitar and how it would pump up Nakamura. I don't hate that. I don't. I thought that. it was I really the ending. I thought that it was stupid that he would get pumped up because of the electric guitar and Damian Priest for some reason was just so distracted by the guitar that he wouldn't like. It's just really stupid. Priest goes really out, stupid. smashes the the guitar, knocked Rick Boogs out, and then hit Nakamura with it. Yeah, I didn't. I didn't get that. Like, why did he need? A DQ. Well, I mean, the way that I saw it, they alluded it during the match. Um, somebody on commentary said Damien, and then mentioned, oh, yeah, no, it's very satanic, or something like that. They mentioned something with Damien being related to Satan, which made me think at the moment, I'm like, are they, is he going to be a total heel? Or is are they alluding to him switching into something? I think he's just and- showing attitude. Yeah, then yeah, but with later on we saw that attitude and everything. Uh the crowd hated him after that. Yeah, and then flipped for Monday Night Raw, so Yeah, yeah. But the first match on the actual card, we saw Becky Lynch pick up the victory over Charlotte Flair, Raw Women's Champion versus the SmackDown Women's Champion. Uh they started this match off super hot. And uh I think it continued pretty much throughout the match i just uh i don't i didn't need to see this match so soon again yeah i agree and i think that this entire lynch versus flair is it a shoot is it real is it kayfabe what's going on they hate each other backstage they are not friends how is it going to be when they have to work together are they going to be on the same page like i thought it was just really stupid um, and 
Honestly, I feel like maybe this should have been the main event, though. So, I would say not main event. I think but... I think main event because it was, of the, the matches, this had the most story and the most history behind it. I agree with you, but... I would put this before Reigns and Big E because mm. I like I feel like I feel like no matter what Big E versus Reigns had to be the main event because Big E you need to still have um in this spotlight for now because I feel like they still have to continue to build Big E as a name. Um and then Roman Reigns you want to keep up there and stuff like that. So I would and I um, I think the only reason why Roman Reigns versus Big E would have gone on last would have been if The Rock was showing up. <laughs> Burn! Guess who didn't show up? But the the opening contest Marks. I liked. Uh, Charlotte might have done the best Andrade elbow that she's ever done in this match. We We saw Becky Lynch using the figure four. We saw Charlotte using the disarmor. Uh, I like that, but Charlotte ends up trying to grab the ropes to to win. The referee sees that, and Becky Lynch rolls her right into her own pin, uses the ropes to win, so they're both willing to cheat to get where they want to be. So overall, I thought it was pretty good. Yeah, it was definitely a good match. It was entertaining. Um, There were moments where it felt a little bit dragged, but... Yeah, overall it was a it was a good match. After that, we saw Team Raw consisting of Austin Theory, Bobby Lashley, Finn Balor, Kevin Owens, and Seth Rollins taking on and defeating Team SmackDown, Happy Corbin, King Woods, Jeff Hardy, Sheamus, and Drew McIntyre. Right off the bat, Kevin Owens got himself counted out before anything took place. Yeah, he abandoned. He just the team. failed. Yeah, but uh, I thought this this match had some decent spots. I liked the the suplex that McIntyre hit on Finn Balor when Balor was on the mat. It was just like a suplex off the mat. I don't I don't know if I've ever seen something like that before. Yeah, but we eventually got to the the move after move spot that we get in those multi people matches. Drew McIntyre, Bobby Lashley got counted out. They um. They did bring up Austin Theory's history with Seth Rollins when it came down to them versus Sheamus and Jeff Hardy. So I like that. And it was weird to see Sheamus and Jeff Hardy on the same team. Yeah, especially after... They were doing gag moves together. I mean, it it did break down into Sheamus doing his heel turn. Well, I guess not a heel turn because he is a heel. But turning turning on the team and Jeff Hardy, yeah, it was so like, it kind it was of was like given their history together to see them team up. But then Sheamus did end up knocking Hardy out, so and that left Jeff yeah. all by himself. Yeah, they even did the uh, the turnbuckle uh, Whis- jump off whisper the back in the move. Wind. Not whisper in the wind. Yeah, you're right. No, it's not whisper in the wind. Not, I can't believe I don't, said that. Does it have an actual name? I the leap of faith. We'll call it. Is it Leap of Faith? Probably not. I, I feel don't like think there so. is some, a name for it's it. Definitely, I, I it's definitely not it. the Leap of Faith, but we can call it the Leap of Faith. But yeah, he even did the Leap of Faith with Sheamus, <laughs> and then Sheamus just turned on Jeff Hardy. Yeah. You know? 
And I was I was kind of surprised. I thought it was going to come down to Austin Theory being the sole survivor. But it was, mm-hmm. in fact, it came down to Jeff Hardy. It came down to Seth Rollins. And Seth Rollins reversed a swanton and hit a, a curb stomp to, to pick up that victory for Team Raw. Yeah. So yeah, it was a uh, poetry in motion. I knew it was a. I knew oh it was yes, poetry in motion, not the leap of faith. No, but I still like it as the leap of faith. Earlier though, Earlier. on the uh, on the kickoff show, we saw Vince McMahon show up, and he had a golden Cleopatra egg from the Red Notice movie, and the internet was a buzz. And no, don't be confused. Vince McMahon just did not come from. Uh, Willy Wonka's Chocolate Factory. Wow, was he wearing to a, get this egg. a purple suit? He was. Good call. Good catch. Yeah. But uh, later on, Roman Reigns went into his office and Vince McMahon showed off the egg. It was a hundred, what did he say, a hundred million dollars? Uh, something, it is definitely not. Worth, <laughs> well, if something was like that back then, it could be catch a, a fancy fancy price tag to it i wouldn't say a hundred million mm, i feel like stuff like that could be if it was real it's like because that's like a holy grail piece in the movie it's a holy grail piece so spoiler dude well watch the damn movie and you wouldn't be so confused <laughs> about what the hell a golden egg is doing on a pay-per-view sponsored by red notice Yes, but he did have that egg. Smash Netflix um, records. Yeah. And yeah, it was a gift by The Rock. And then we see a 25th anniversary of The Rock Battle Royal, 25-man Battle Royal. We saw R-Truth try to bribe Otis with Pizza Hut. That was a, a sponsor of the match. Otis ate it and then tossed R-Truth out, but I thought R-Truth was fantastic in this match. Omos got rid of Otis. Sami Zayn tried to get Team SmackDown on the same page, but Cesaro and Ricochet ends up, they end up feeding him to the Street Profits. We saw a tug-of-war spot between Commander Aziz, who was already eliminated, AJ Styles being the rope, I guess, and then Omos, who's in the ring trying to save AJ Styles. Um, But ultimately, we saw... It come down to Cesaro, Ricochet, the Street Profits, trying to get Almas out. He ends up tossing all of them out, eliminating 12 people. And, uh, yeah, that's uh, the 25th. What do you see could happen with Omos? Uh... Like, do you see him as a champion at some point, or do we see him stuck in limbo as with... Uh, as tag team, I'm sorry, I don't know if I just said as tag team champ, but as uh, WWE champion level, or do we just see him going back and forth with tag team wise? I, I don't know because I, like, what do you he think has his, to have. I don't know how what his ability is. Like I don't know. Like what do you think his his ceiling is? I mean, if I I have to say, sky's the limit. If if Great Khali was champion in WWE, well played. So. That's true. <laughs> after that the raw tag team champions rk bro picked up the victory over the smackdown tag team champions the usos 
I thought that this match was really uh, entertaining. The RK Bro factor, and uh, I thought that they all of them are veterans, and they worked really well in the ring. I wasn't fully into this match. I was I was totally expecting the Usos to win, but I'm happy that they didn't. Uh-huh. I really liked the ending of this match. The Uso splash ending where Randy Orton hit an RKO out of nowhere. Oh, that was that was sick. Yeah. So I think the this after the battle royal, the show kind of like went downhill a little bit. Yeah. We saw Adam Pierce and Sonya Deville in Vince McMahon's office, and the egg was missing. And Vince is like, I'm going to get to the bottom of this on Monday Night Raw, or else you guys will be fired. So, that was that. Everyone was, again, up in arms over this egg. After yeah. that, Team Raw, Bianca Belair, Rhea Ripley, Zelina Vega, Carmella, and Liv Morgan picked up the victory over um, Team SmackDown, Shayna Baszler, Sasha Banks, Shotzi Blackheart, Natalia, and Tony Storm. This match was somewhat of a mess. Yeah, it definitely had a lot of sloppy, uh, sloppy parts. Carmella was trying to put on her face mask and Rhea Ripley stopped Zelina Vega from helping her out and that got Carmella eliminated. But the crowd was super fired up once Sasha Banks and Bianca Belair started wrestling each other one-on-one. During this point, both teams were off the apron and down, which felt like 10 minutes worth of them being like off screen. To the point where I'm like, wait a minute, did everyone get eliminated and I just like somehow forgot? Yeah, it was very confusing at at moments in this match. And they also kind of just like lost the crowd during this. Yeah. Like right after, right after Bianca Belair and Sasha Banks were, were done, they just, they were, the fans were just done. Yeah, I like Bianca Belair throwing Zelina Vega into Sasha Banks to do a move together. It came down to four versus one. One point, Sasha Banks tags herself in, and Shotzi thought that uh, she tagged herself in. So they started fighting. It prevented Sasha from getting back in, and it was just a, a mess. Finally, it came down to Shotzi and Bianca Belair. KOD to pick up that victory. It was just, yeah, it was, I don't know. I don't know why they would do that, but it, like yeah, if, it, they, it, if they just had the women actually like wrestling, it was just bizarre. I, I can't describe it anywhere, anyway else, but I don't know. I'm, saw- I'm happy that team world picked up the victory though. I'm happy Team Raw picked up the victory in this one. This pay-per-view was stupid in, in Raw vs. SmackDown. SmackDown got the kickoff show win. Yeah, but the thing the thing I don't like about Survivor Series is uh, uh, SmackDown has only won one uh, Survivor Series in competition with Monday Night Raw. Wait. Actually, no, they've never won. They've never won a competition of Survivor Series. It's always been Monday Night Raw, NXT, 
And then SmackDown has never had a victory over Monday Night Raw. But it, like it makes it, it makes no sense. Like after a certain point, like there's no coming back. Like after after what it was three three one. After what the the RK Bro match? Uh huh. There was no chance of of SmackDown winning. So it's like there's no point. Well, that's the thing I don't like. SmackDown should win a Survivor Series a few times, especially when it's make the, it com- the A show and <laughs> I mean make it make it competitive and stuff. Don't. That's the thing that I don't like is that it's always Monday Night Raw coming out as the winner flagship for, over SmackDown. Just stupid. We saw Kayla Braxton let Paul Heyman know that Brock Lesnar's suspension is no longer indefinite. So that's always a uh, fun segment between the two of them. Yeah, main they, event. They love each other. Yeah, but the the main event, Roman Reigns picked up the victory over Big E, scoring that second victory for SmackDown on Survivor Series. This match, it was it was a good match. You know, I think that Big E has really held his own in being a main eventer. For me, I I don't know if it was because of the previous matches. I just, I wasn't into this. I liked aspects of it. I liked when Roman Reigns hit Big E with the three Superman punches and Big E like hulks up. Yeah. That's when that match started to pick up for me. I I could understand it. I mean, it's also a long event in general. It's also a long event in general. I think that there has to... I think put more tag teams and less individual matches. Yeah. I like Big E getting out of the guillotine. Mm -hmm. Guillotine? What do you guys... What would you say? Guillotine. (laughs) Um, Guillotine. But Roman Reigns hit a bunch of spears in the match. He ended the match with a, a spear. And I think after this match was over, people were 100% expecting The Rock after this match. And obviously and he didn't who did show not up. show up. And for me, that's fine. People were like, how I agree with dare you. they? They mentioned The Rock throughout the whole show and not once did he appear? Impact, uh, Impact had him for the Hall of Fame. Impact AEW uh, alluded to, to barely alluded to CM Punk and they delivered. Yeah, it's like one CM Punk's been sitting home doing. I mean, he has not been wrestling. He's not. I'm not saying he's not done anything, but CM he's Punk's not also traveling to not the Rock schedule. Yeah, he's not traveling traveling to Europe for movies and stuff like that. Right. You know, I I think that I think that it's okay. Well, you have to. Advertise that it's the twentieth twenty-fifth anniversary of The Rock because it is The Rock. It is a huge selling point. Guess what? Everybody that thought they were going to get to see The Rock, you bought a ticket and you, you got watched to see, the you show. You got to see clips of The Rock celebrating his twenty-fifth anniversary. <laughs> you know, it's you. You can, you have to uh, those nostalgic areas, those throwbacks to showing respect. Or the wrestler themselves, I think it's very important to do because it shows a loyalty uh, towards that wrestler too. Where, I mean, what you can't—you're not going to do a 26th anniversary of The Rock. It's, it's right. 25th. Also, you know, they, it's not the 27th. this, this it's, event should have 100% been at Madison Square Garden, given 
the fact that they were celebrating the 25th anniversary of The Rock, he debuted it at Survivor Series at Madison Square Garden. He returned to pro wrestling at Madison Square Garden in 2011. I think the Knicks had a a game that night. Well, you cancel that. Who cares about basketball? (laughs) But also... I'm sure they were playing the... They also... um, they also had the Bruno San Martino celebration thing, which made no sense to me, but they were doing it. And it was Madison Square Garden related. Mm-hmm. So maybe they were hoping that it was going to be at MSG, but they just they couldn't get it or something. I don't know. Who knows? But let's talk about the brand that picked up the victory at Survivor Series. Let's move on to some Monday Night Raw. Monday Opens up with Vince McMahon in his office talking to Adam Pierce and Sonya Deville about that missing egg. Threatens termination again if they don't find it. And that is an ongoing thing throughout the whole night. We'll we'll touch on later. First match of the evening saw Matt Riddle pick up the victory over Dolph Ziggler. Before this match backstage, I thought Randy Orton and Riddle had a funny segment where Riddle showed up dressed like Randy Orton. Including wearing a, a fake mustache and a, a goatee. Wearing... I thought that this was it was hilarious. <laughs> totally dressed up as him, wearing um, Drew Gulak's trunks. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's obvious that at some point Randy's going to turn on him. Well, what would be even more interesting is if Riddle turned on Randy. I don't know if we're we're gonna see anything like that anytime soon, though. Like we saw, like so this either. match, I thought it was fun. I thought it was a fun. I match. I think they're gonna have a championship run first. Well, I mean, they are right now champions, so yeah. But I mean, like a, a longer continuation of it first, right? But Riddle was in full Orton mode. He won with the RKO. Robert Roode tried to jump Riddle after the match, but Randy Orton gets involved and. He ends up hitting a bro, Derek. So he's now using Matt Riddle moves, which I thought was cool. After this, we yeah. had a Becky Lynch victory lap where she addressed who should face her next and then addressed the crowd and how garbage they were during the Women's Survivor Series match. And then agreed with the crowd because they don't have what it takes to beat Becky Lynch. So I, I like the fact that she called out the crowd for, for chanting everything except for, for the stuff in the match for the most part at Survivor Series. Like I said, during Survivor Series, there were some points where it's like, well, maybe if they did this a little differently, it would have made more sense. But that was the end of that segment pretty much. We saw Liv Morgan interviewed later on which got cut off by Becky Lynch and said that Liv Morgan did nothing at Survivor Series. And then Becky brought up Money in the Bank and how Liv Morgan lost it to Nikki A.S.H., who would win and cash in to become the Raw Women's Champion. And then basically just said that Liv Morgan's never going to hold that title and Liv clocked her in the face, which I thought was a really nice worker punch. I agree with you. That was really... I love what's happening with Liv Morgan right now. And maybe really maybe the more this happens and the more stuff that they do, the more I think maybe Liv Morgan could be the next champion. 
I agree. I really do agree. I can see that happening. And hey, sign me up for a Liv Morgan title reign. Absolutely. 100%. Um, Bianca Belair spoke about Dewdrop prior to her match against Tamina. She faced Tamina and picked up the victory. I thought it was nice that Natalia accompanied Tamina to the ring, given the whole SmackDown roster had to be there for the egg gimmick. So it was yeah, nice that they, they were they were former tag team champions. They're on different brands now, but they're still supporting each other. So I thought that was nice. And it's like it's got a basic explanation there. Um, yeah, I don't think any not is a decent match. Nothing too eventful took place. No, I think uh, yeah, nothing too eventful. Really, just putting over Bel Air. Yeah, and uh, it was Tamina. Natalia. I was gonna say it was Natalia attacking Bianca Belair afterwards. And then Belair yeah. fought her off, but Dewdrop ends up attacking her from behind. That Dude, was the that we was need the a conclusion thing. of Dewdrop with her. Well, clearly that's leading to something. Yeah, has to, has to be. After that, but... we saw Seth Rollins come out and put himself over as being the sole survivor for Team Raw. And he I claimed... love the crowd singing along to his oh, theme yeah, song. Absolutely, that was fantastic. It reminded me of uh, the night after WrestleMania where. Um, they sang along with Fandango's theme song. Yes, it also reminisced, uh, reminiscent in Nakamura. Yeah, Nakamura or Bobby Roode also. Yeah, I hope that this is something that does carry over. Yeah, I wouldn't mind having them add the audio from the crowd into 2K22. Yeah, that would be cool. A game, I, it's going to be so outdated, though, I feel like. Because, I mean, you saw in the trailer, Seth Rollins' gear is Monday Night Messiah, which is, like, February 2020 or something like that. Yeah. Uh-huh. So, uh, maybe they'll get updated gear, so. But he claimed that he basically did it all by himself. Finn Balor came out, and they brawled. And Seth Rollins hit Finn Balor with the steps. He followed it up with a curb stomp in the in the ring. Came back to hit another curb stomp. And uh, Finn Balor versus Seth Rollins didn't happen. But what did happen, unfortunately, is that a fan jumped mm. Seth Rollins. Hit a really nice spear. I might I might have to say that. Okay, we don't have to put over the spear. <laughs> <laughs> it was a decent yeah. bounce, man. I mean, he had a huge running start, too. Yes. But... It's this is why we can't have nice things. Like it's really, it really did break down into first. It was like a really scary situation because you don't know what's going to happen. But then it really turned out into a sad situation in a way as well. First, wait before um, we say that though, I want to say, like on pay per view, we see them. The camera is focused on Seth. We see him get attacked commentary calls it as if they think it's like something actually happening yeah then they cut away from that and when they come back to seth rollins he's like as if nothing happened he's just smiling doing what he's supposed to do other angles we see jimmy wang yang get involved we see michael hayes ready to get out there we see becky lynch ready to get out there and then we find out as the days go by the next day i think maybe even not even like it was later night on that of? night. Yeah. It, the guy was obviously, he was arrested, but then it turned out that he was catfished by, in quotes, Seth Rollins? Yeah, a fake Seth Rollins account. 
Uh, apparently, the kid, uh, he got catfish into sending this fake Seth Rollins account. So what happened was apparently he met Seth Rollins at an autograph signing. And then this catfish account or either one of them reached out to each other. And he wanted this kid to help him with his wrestling career. So then it ended up that the he was able to con, uh, convince this kid to send him gift cards. So the kid sent him gift cards, and then Seth Rollins sent mailed him a check to re- replace it, and the check bounced. So the kid got catfished out of three thousand dollars. He sent gift cards worth three thousand dollars to this person and so it's really i feel awful i know it's really like it really is an upsetting situation because unfortunately it broke down into a real it broke out into violence where somebody attacked someone but somebody catfished this person who wasn't aware of what was taking place behind a computer out of $3,000. And you really, I, I do feel bad for this kid because, uh, I, I, obviously he does need somebody to talk to about this, but it, it's just very, it's unfortunate. I think. And then the, the Instagram video afterwards was a bit confusing. That too, yeah. He's he, so convinced. He did it for Rikishi. He did it for his tribal chief. He did it for The Rock. Yeah, yeah, uh, and that just shows the that just shows the mentality of the person that we're speaking about and dealing with. It's just it's you know? it's crazy that like in 2021, people or whenever whatever year it was, I think they said it was going since like I don't know if they said 2019 even. Uh-huh. But, like, it's just crazy that people are still getting catfish. Like, right now, we're on the 10-year anniversary of the, the documentary, Catfished. Wow. And it's like, if you've never yeah, seen pe- the documentary, I think you should check it out. If you've never seen the, the TV show. I have actually haven't seen the documentary. It's... It, I've dude, heard of it, though. It's a wild thing. Because it starts out with Neve. Neve is the original person who got catfished. Oh, the the host? Yeah. Oh. Yeah, it's so, I don't know. Please, 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 everyone listening, if somebody is asking you to send gift cards to them or purchase something for them, please do not do that. Seek some like seek some uh consultation from someone else to see if what they think Please, please, please do not do anything like that. Also, you know, it, it's if you think you're talking to a pro wrestler and it's not their official blue check mark Instagram, official blue check mark Twitter account, or an actual phone number that they gave you in person, it's most yeah, likely the, not going to be that person. Yeah, and it, even if they send you a photo and stuff, remember things could be photoshopped. Um, yeah. Please just. Yeah, absolutely. Take, take That's care 100%. of yourself. In 2021, my phone can't do it, but FaceTime, 100%. If they say they can't FaceTime, then they're 100% a catfish. 
Yes, yes. That's well, I can't a good, say 100% that's a, because sometimes there are people on the show that say they can't FaceTime and then turn out to be the shoot person. Yeah, that's that's very true. You know, that's a good good advice right there. Try to FaceTime them. But please be be cautious. Be cautious. Be cautious. And, and as you far know, as jumping a barricade I mean, this, or whatever, they, I mean, he didn't jump a barricade. It was, I guess, pretty easy to get to where he was. Just uh, think twice. Don't do it. Yeah, that's another situation of its own because this is a, this is not the first time that a fan has jumped has. I don't uh, even cross... jump the barricade. There's nothing. Yeah, there. cross the barrier. We'll say, you know, cross the barrier. Somebody try walked down the ramp with Seth Rollins once. Um, you know, I think that they need security around that stage area. I think there was security over there. He was just facing towards the. the they, ramp. I think that they. I think that they really do need to consider putting a barricade around that region because it seems like most fans, when they do get to that area, it's because they are crossing that region. If they jump over the barrier barricade itself by ringside, usually security is like right on top of them. Yeah. So that looks like it's a vulnerable point of the stage, and I really, really hope that they address it because a wrestler can get severely injured. What happens if that kid took down Seth Rollins, and Seth Rollins hit his head on on uh, a piece of metal or the speaker. Right. Or, you know, you don't want to – you have to anticipate that disaster where what happens if Seth Rollins did get taken down and we know the ramp could be solid. We see the speakers on there. What happens if he hit his head on something like that? You know, it's very, very dangerous. I, I actually – I think that in Chavo Guerrero – Forget him. It wasn't just Chavo. There were other wrestlers saying that, like, oh, the Attitude Era or something like that. Yeah, they are all idiots. They are all idiots. Idiots, idiots. Because if you think for a second that Seth Rollins couldn't hurt this kid, you are absolutely wrong. Rollins had him this in a choke, though. That's the thing. If Seth Rollins wanted to, he could have. So I actually give a ton of credit to Seth Rollins for not taking advantage of this moment and beating the crap out of this fan. I give a lot of credit to security, to the referees. I give a lot of credit to to Jimmy Yang Wang. I give a lot of credit to everybody that came out there and did not stop a mud hole in this kid for what he did. I think that it takes a lot. It's one of those things when when you know how strong you are. When you know what your abilities are, when you know what you can do, what damage you can cause to someone, you really have to realize that you are a trained weapon. And just because you have the ability to take it out on someone doesn't mean that it's appropriate or that you should. Because if Seth Rollins did, I guarantee you that kid would be in a hospital bed right now. And that you do not want to see break down. I think that is awful when people say, oh yeah, look at what Triple H and the referee did when they jumped into Stone Cold Steve Austin's match. I highly hate that video because, okay, you could take down the fan. You can restrain the fan. Till, wait till security gets there. But you do not have to repeatedly kick the fan in the face, in the gut, potentially severely injuring an organ. You do not have to take well, it I think it was a further. different mentality back then, 100%. I agree with you. Probably now you have mentality. to. I mean, you have to deal with PR and everything so much more now. I mean, back then oh, you yeah, had to of also. Course. But of course, but even still, era. I think in 
in general, you never have to take it. You don't have to escalate it to just me, killing a person. Because let's face it, you watched that video with Triple H and that referee. They were really having their way with that person. They were really having their way with that person. Restrain them. Wait till security. You do not have to take it to that extra level. I, I, you know, it's really a, an awful situation. I think you, if you, yeah, you know, but There's luckily a, Seth Rollins apparently only had a busted lip. And no, but that was, was I able, think that took place during the segment with Balor, I think. That's, so maybe with Balor, but luckily nobody was hurt during this entire thing. And I think that's the most important thing to take away, that nobody was hurt. Yeah. So that's. That's my uh, talk about that. After that, we saw AJ Styles and almost pick up the victory over the Street Profits via disqualification. Uh, I liked when Montez Ford was going up against Almas and like fell flat while running into him. But this match, I didn't understand. Why are the Street Profits getting themselves DQ'd with a fire extinguisher? They're the faces. Yeah, they are the faces. Um, I mean... <sighs> I don't know. Yeah, I I don't know. I feel like I feel like faces can use stuff like that when it's like in a humorous manner or it's like to get one over on the heel because they they did so many tactics to them and then the crowd pops because it's like ah, look what they got away with or look what happened. But I mean, obviously they didn't get away with it because they got DQ'd. Exactly. Um. Yeah. Uh, after that, they aired another Veer Mahan. Vignette, which featured John Morrison in it. So sad to see. But uh, Million Dollar Arms coming back to Disney Plus, so uh, check it out next Friday. Disney Plus has that. I saw the commercial for that Beatles documentary. Yeah. That looks awesome. That looks really cool. They remastered the footage, which is like weird. Yeah, looks really cool. But next up, you had Queen Zelina and Carmella pick. Sorry, Queen Zelina and Carmella <laughs> pick up the victory over Rhea Ripley and Nikki Ash to become the new tag team champions. The Queen of is she from the Bronx? Uh, Queens. I She's think. from Queens? no Queens or Bronx. I don't know. I forget. <laughs> She's from Queens. New York. It's Queens. Came up, we can say that New New York came up with came out with the victory on this one. She's the Queen of Queens, the Princess of Staten Island. My bad. Yeah, the Queens the Queen of you know, this seems like a match that was supposed to happen. You know, the matchup of Zelina and Carmella that I never really knew that we needed, but apparently we need it. Yeah, and now they are tag team champions. It started off kind of slow. It kind of picked up, but it uh, wasn't the best. I like the the power bomb into the Hurricane Rana reversal into the Tornado DDT reversal spot that uh, Zelina Vega did. Uh huh. Um, but we saw Carmella hit Rhea Ripley with a super kick, who went flying into the ring post from that. She got one on Nikki Ash, and Zelina Vega was able to hit Code Red and pick up that victory. So hopefully it's a long reign and it goes hand in hand with her being Queen Zelina. I I think so. The prior next, reign was just two months, so hopefully there's more to it. 
Yeah. Well, talking about Reigns ending, uh, Cedric Alexander picked up the victory over Reggie to become the new 24-7 champion. Very quick match. Yes. The 24-7 crowd ran down the ramp afterwards to get the title, but out of nowhere comes a blockbuster from the top rope from Dana Brooke, wins the championship. Nobody has any idea what to do, so she just goes up to celebrate, and they don't touch her. This is And Dana, Dana Brooke wins her first title. Yeah. Um, I think that this is something that's long overdue. 100%. Uh, for Dana Brooke to have this recognition. I mean, for a while, uh, you longer than me have been putting her over. And then I started to see that too. And I feel like there's still a lot of fans that haven't recognized it with her. Yeah, she put um, in a lot of work. Yeah, I, I personally wish she. They, uh, I, I loved her theme song. Oh God, yeah. Um, I, I'm right? gonna be and so pissed when that's not on in 2K22. I know, I know, but yeah, I, I say kudos to Dana Brooke. You know, she's she stuck with everything. She's been training hard, and I think it's awesome. And that's, I guess, that's one of the benefits of the 24/7 championship because now we're seeing a lot of wrestlers that you know could be champion or should have a champ a chance to be spotlighted be spotlighted now of course it's not the women's championship and fans don't but respect still a, this title i respect the title i have fun with the exactly title. it's still a championship that features dana brooke though you know what's the alternative her not being booked so with her as a champion guess what she's now booked yeah and featured and spotlighted and i think that's incredible after that, we saw Bobby Lashley pick up the victory over both Mysterios, Ray and Dominic. The Mysterios actually had uh, some decent offense in this. MVP got involved. We saw a double 619. They each hit a frog splash. Dominic's was like a, a delayed frog splash, which I thought was really cool. But Lashley ends up spearing Ray Mysterio and locking Dominic in the hurt lock. Yeah. I don't know what to... I'm not a fan of the Mysterios. I think it's leading to a, a father versus son match eventually. That's what I was actually just thinking. I think it's going to be father versus son. Imagine if it was like a loser leave WWE match. And I would Ray be so loses. disappointed. Yeah, you know what I'm rooting for. <laughs> yeah, of course. You know what I'm rooting or, for. Or, I mean, if, I, if Ray does end up leaving and maybe, you know, maybe wants to get uh, booked by uh, another company to face Samurai yes, Del Sol. Yes, say it. Preach. That is a match that, I have been wanting to see forever. Yes, I have my fingers crossed. And then what's, what's this? What's the sad thing is that you know that with AEW – you're going to have Samurai Del Sol versus Rey Mysterio with the proper amount of time. Well, first of all, and... no, no, hold on. I did not say AEW. Or Impact. Okay, so we'll say I did not say impact. impact. I don't want it to be on Impact because I will not see it if it's on Impact. <laughs> so then we're going to say AEW. I meant like an independent promotion or something. No, stop that talk right now. No, and AE, no, because no, AEW. No, Brandon, this is a WrestleMania. matches aren't always there. No, and do they not don't say, always get do not spotlighted. Say There's not not everything. Stop it. 
Stop no. it. I'm going to mute you. I think we I'm should just move you. on to the next match. No, you do not even put that WrestleMania main event caliber match on an independent show. No. That is Why that not? that's going to You're more likely to be able to go to that than What about Triple A? What about Triple no, A? That, that's not uh... No. Okay. I think the the bottom line is uh we do need Rey Mysterio versus Samurai Del Sol for like a Iron Man match. Yeah. <laughs> But we saw Apollo Crews come out to answer Damian Priest's U.S. Open challenge. And Sami Zayn also came out and I guess Crews turned down the Open challenge. And Sami was like, well, I'll take it. And then he ends up losing the match. I thought it was a fun match. Priest going ham on Sami Zayn at one point. That that uh, sit down choke slam that he did, I thought was really cool before hitting the reckoning. Yeah, that was a really cool aspect. But uh, throughout the night, basically, they showed the WWE locker room tearing apart the arena, looking for that Cleopatra egg. Our truth grabbed a football at one point, saying that he found it, which I thought was funny. Sami Zayn questioned Vince McMahon about the WWE Championship opportunity. And said that he's pretty sure he knows who took the egg. We saw Kevin Owens looking for the egg. And he was asked about abandoning the Survivor Series team. But he didn't answer that. Sonya Deville told Vince McMahon that she found who it was. And they found the egg. Adam Pearce brings them in. Sami Zayn was there for it. Turned out to be Austin Theory. He just wanted to take a selfie with the egg. Sami Zayn was pissed off that he wasn't the one getting the title shot. Vince was like, I'm clearing all charges. You're getting the title shot, kid. I thought it was going to be a little bit more like when Vince was looking for the illegitimate child on Raw in 2007. But I I had zero problems with any of this. I agree. I, you know, at first I was like, this is so corny. This is so stupid. I don't get the egg. I don't understand any of this. But, uh, you know, I think it's cool. It's a sponsor tie-in. And Austin Theory, for us, is the future. He is. Big E was interviewed about the egg, and I popped at him using Larry David's pretty, pretty, pretty good. But Big E goes on to defeat Austin Theory to retain the WWE Championship. Seth Rollins was out there for this match. Kevin Owens was out there for that match. And I, it would have been super crazy, but I could have believed that Austin Theory was walking out as WWE Champion, given that like everyone was there, given the egg aspect and everything. The way everything went down, I wouldn't have been shocked if Austin Theory walked out as champion. Yeah. But we saw Kevin Owens toss Seth Rollins into the ring at one point, which distracted Austin Theory for way too long. Big E scoops him up for a big ending and then attacked both Kevin Owens and Seth Rollins afterwards. Kevin Owens got away, but Seth ate a big ending. And that's the end of Monday Night Raw. Yeah, that's the end of uh, that chapter. But let's talk about some NXT. Grayson Waller cutting the, the opening then now forever video off. To speak about yeah, Tommaso very, Ciampa. Yeah, very cool uh, cutoff. Yeah, I feel like we've seen that like once or twice before, but 
He mentioned how the fans booed John Cena and The Rock and Roman Reigns as well. And kind of compares it to, or just kind of trashing the fans there. But Ciampa came out and it led to their match where he picks up the victory over Grayson Waller. I thought it was a good match. I figured this would have been a quick match, but it wasn't. No, it was it was a good match. It was back and forth. Um and I'm a huge fan of Champa. And this match it was nice. It was a nice opener. Yeah, Waller hit a, a rolling senton with Champa in like a burning hammer position. Yeah, then, I thought that was so innovative. But then he landed the senton with a rolling senton, which maybe yeah. might have been a mistake, but it looked pretty cool. I don't know. I've never seen anybody do that before, and I thought that it was awesome. I didn't even know if it was. I didn't even know it was possible to do that. <laughs> yeah, like you land I, a rolling senton sick. with another rolling senton. Uh huh. Well, we saw Cameron Grimes speak about how he kept his long hair and his beard. To remind him that he once had nothing. And he called Duke Hudson out, who appeared backstage. Grimes challenged him to a match, a hair versus hair match. So that's set for war games. Andre Chase Chase made fun of Grimes later on, and Grimes told him to go to hell. do, Do we see Cameron Grimes losing? I don't know. I could see him without hair. I could see it happening. But, yeah, for sure. We heard Indy Hartwell backstage talking about Dexter Loomis, saying that he'll be out and for over a month with his injury. So heartbreaking, you and, know? And I really she, feel for Indy on this. Yeah. And she told <laughs> Persia that she's going to be good to go wrestle. She said she will be. And Casey Catanzaro and Caden Carter ends up picking up the victory over Persia Parada and Indy Hartwell because she was just distracted by Dexter Loomis's injury. Yeah, I like that Indy throughout the match. Like, even during the intro, she's, like, rubbing her hand in the arm, you know? Yeah. Like, like as if she's, like, feeling the effects of what took place and still sympathizing and really heartbroken. Like, I thought that that small detail of just her really rubbing her arm and, like, feeling really down and thinking about her hand and Dexter and Dexter and the hand and the arm. And I thought that that was a great character moment. The only thing I wish is that it was longer. Yeah. But we saw a uh, a video package for Tiffany Stratton, who will be making her debut on NXT soon. It's a spoiled country club tennis playing daddy's little girl who debuted on 205 Live last week. Super athletic. She goes by Buff Barbie. She's a gymnast, a bodybuilder, and uh, competed on the 2016 U.S. National Gymnastics Team. So, it's a very interesting video package that they put together. But I'm looking forward. If you didn't watch 205 Live, you should... uh, Eventually, when it's out on Peacock, check it out. It's uh, she was impressive. And then gymnastics team. Yeah. Did you not know that was a thing? I don't. Oh, she was not Olympic level. No. Okay, gotcha. That's why I'm like, dude. Every Olympics, I watch the gymnastics. Her name's not sticking out to me. 
Well, her name wasn't Tiffany Stratton. Oh, that's right. Yeah, shoot, shoot me. <laughs> My bad. Was that a joke? Yes, yes. Okay. <laughs> After that, we saw Santos Escobar pick up a victory over Malik Blade. The last time we saw Escobar wrestle was when he lost to Swerve Scott last month. But this match went how you'd expect it to. It ends with a phantom driver. And then Electra Lopez reiterated that nobody says no to Legato Del Fantasma. And she brought up the offer to Zion Quinn and what happened to him. And then Wild went to go speak, but Kyle O'Reilly and Von Wagner cut him off. They want the tag team titles. Wagner they want brought the smoke. up what? They want the smoke. Yeah. Wagner brought up his foot being on the rope, so he didn't really lose the match. Imperium came out and said that neither of them will be able to stop their reign. So it doesn't matter who's challenging them first. And that sets up a match between those two teams where the winners will face them at war games. Um, we had, Hey, a, I'm, I'm excited for war games. Yeah. Should be fun. Yeah. We had Tony D'Angelo basically saying that he's betting on NXT's main event and he's going with Carmelo Hayes as the winner. And uh, that'll be a pin to put in for now. But mm-hmm. we saw Dakota Kai meet up with Toxic Attraction backstage. And they walked didn't in. really. What? Yeah. She didn't really, I mean, meet up per se. She kind of like forced her way well, into yeah, she was, walking with them. They were there, yeah. But they yeah, walked they, they into a mess. they were there at the same place at the same time. Yeah, they walked into a mess, though, and they made fun of it. And then it was revealed that it was Kaylee Ray's mess, so... Obviously, like the faces, they meet up. We saw Cora Jade. They were arguing and then Cora tells them to stop as if she's like the team leader. They need a fourth. Who could it be the fourth? Cora Jade goes on to defeat Mandy Rose. Kaylee Ray comes out during it to distract Mandy Rose. I thought that this match was awesome. So Cora Jade, uh, I mean, obviously a lot of these NXT people I'm not as familiar with. I'm still learning a lot with them because it's it gets difficult to find the time. But Cora Jade, I see her having a lot of potential. Um, I think that she has the ability, the look. I thought that this match with her, Mandy Rose, was actually a really fun match. What do you think? Yeah, and Jade, she, she rolled Mandy up for that quick victory. Thanks to the distraction of Kaylee Ray, who was clearly going to be the fourth woman on the War Games team. And she approached them backstage to just basically say, she's like, I'm in. Also, I'm going to be the one that's in the advantage ladder match next week. So she'll be facing Dakota Kai to see who gets the War Games advantage. I, come on now. How, how are you not going to want to watch that? Yeah. Earlier in the night, we saw L.A. Knight interviewed about Champa and Grayson Waller. And he said that he doesn't need to go out there and cost Waller his match because Waller does it to himself. Joe Gacy cut him off and told him that they should be building each other up instead of tearing each other down. And then invited him to a match. And Joe Gacy versus L.A. Knight didn't happen. Grayson Waller attacked L.A. Knight during his entrance. And then we see Joe Gacy speaking and Diamond Mine cuts him off. And Bivens told him to get out of their ring because Ivy Nile had a match. And Gacy 
doesn't have respect for, for Roderick Strong. He called the Cruiserweight Championship something that weight shames people. So Roderick Strong versus Joe Gacy is set for war games. I'm not sure if the championship will be on the line. Um, That I'm not too sure. But uh, Bivens told the Creed brothers to take him out. And then Harlan was there. So he backed them off and said another time. And then Ivy Nile goes on to pick up the victory over Ulisa Leon. Which uh, Nile just completely overpowered her. As expected, yeah. You know, I I like how I like how she had that one submission in uh, the leg lock. Well, not the choke. I don't know what to call it. The the vice grip, we'll call it. And she starts doing the the crunches while having that submission yeah. hold locked in. I thought that was a nice little aspect to it. She also she used that really cool dragon sleeper, similar to one that we would have seen Isla Dawn previously use. We've seen Alistair Black use it in WWE. Like the yeah. the reverse arm dragon sleeper, really good. I've always, stuff. I was always, I've I've always been a fan of the dragon sleeper. It's always been one of my favorite finishers. Well, some people apply it a lot better than others. Agreed. There's I've like there's times when a dragon sleeper is applied, and I'm like, you could clearly see that's not doing anything. Yeah, I've actually done that in a wrestling match before. A dragon sleeper. Yeah, legit. And what happened? I pinned him. <laughs> that's legal move well i mean i was just i had his arm too so it was legal and i just proceeded to squeeze and squeeze and it got to the point where i mean i'm going for the pin i'm not trying to make him i mean i'm not gonna say i'm not trying to make him but uh yeah i ended up getting the pin on it no so uh no Hajime's. <laughs> uh you know considered it i did once uh do a pile driver in a match no, come on. Yep, uh, I got DQ'd. <laughs> Is that a shoot? Yeah, that's a shoot. Why did you do a pile well, driver? Was... Well, I mean, he shot in on me, and the head was between my legs, and I just proceeded to... I mean, I didn't know what else to do. I was very new at wrestling, so I proceeded to just lift him up and sit down. Oh, my um, God. Yeah. <laughs> That was before. That was when I was. I think I was in middle school at the time. Mm. I was in middle school or freshman year of high school. It was like one of my first matches. <laughs> well, after that, we saw MSK driving to the shaman, and they got pulled over, and they were both super nervous. And the officer is like, "Do you know why I pulled you over? Do you know how fast we were going?" And they were trying to guess the speed limit. They ended up it was seven miles per hour. The officer tried to have them open their bag for him, but the car, uh, another car came whizzing by, so he let them go. And we still don't know who the shaman is yet. I don't I just know. Want no clues in this one. It, it, I feel like, how could it not be Rob Van Dam, though? Yeah. Maybe we'll see RVD at War Games. Potential. After that, Solo Sokoa had another video package, basically just putting everyone on notice. Uh, not much else to say there. Mm-mm. Boa had a video package where he said that Mei Ying passed on her strength and spirit to him, so that explains the new Boa. And I guess Mei Ying is done. Kind of seems like that. Right. We saw Grizzled Young Veterans. They uh they stole somebody's wallet and in the background it 
Waller and LA Knight continued to brawl. That leads into their match, though. Josh Briggs and Brooks Jensen pick up the victory over the Grizzled Young Veterans. James Drake still... faked a knee injury here, which I I actually thought it was a shoot knee injury. Uh-huh. I didn't think it was going to be some kayfabe gimmick in the match. I wasn't thinking that at all. But they mm-hmm. they kept going, and the referee saw that it was like a, a goofed, uh, gimmicked knee injury because he was hopping on it. And Brooks and Jensen, Brooks and Jensen is the same person. Brooks Jensen and uh, Josh Briggs. Briggs and Jensen kept going. They hit Sweet and Sour to to pick up that victory. Caden Murdoch's old finisher, so I popped for that. Yeah. And uh, then the main event. Mate. Yeah, main event, Carmelo Hayes picked up the victory over Pete Dunne and Johnny Gargano to retain. Um, I'm really happy that Hayes retained because it also says something a lot about Carmelo Hayes picking up a victory over Pete Dunne and Johnny Gargano, two of the largest names in NXT history. Yeah, and I thought it was a great match. I liked Pete Dunne locking in the half crab on both Carmelo Hayes and Johnny Gargano at the same time. Yeah, Trick Williams pulled Carmelo Hayes out of that submission. We saw Tony D'Angelo show up and stop Pete Dunne from being able to win. And then Hayes hits his leg drop to pick up that victory. It leads to LA Knight and Grayson Waller spilling down the entranceway, fighting. Everyone gets involved. Champa comes out, stopped Carmelo Hayes from stopping Johnny Gargano's arm with a chair which left DIY in the ring with Pete Dunn and LA Knight it left Carmelo Hayes it left um, um, Grayson Waller and Tony D'Angelo on the outside and then Braun Breaker comes out yells war games and everyone brawled hey you know you gotta really appreciate those sophisticated promos like that this, though, is like more Survivor Series than anything. I agree. I totally agree. This, y'all, you know, this is how things should be done. Um, for sure. And, like, but this, if this, Johnny Gargano apparently signed a one-week extension on his contract to do War Games. He has not been in a War Games match before. Really? So, Yeah. I find that so hard to believe. It, yeah, that is, uh, it's crazy. And this will be the first one without uh, Undisputed Era in it. The first male one, at wow. least. Which is crazy. Wow. But yeah, if this is his last match, he gets the team with, with Champa DIY, reunited for this match. Pete Dunn is a, uh, it's, so this is uh, clearly old school versus new school. Prior to this yeah, this week, I the, was questioning where are they getting a, a War Games match from for the men. I mean, it's unfortunate that Gargano signed a one-week extension. It kind of alludes to what's going to happen potentially, Not right? necessarily, but I think after that extension is over, he could just show up the next week on Dynamite if that's a thing. Yeah, yeah. I'm almost positive. Adam, that he happened with just... Adam Cole. He wrestled at uh, TakeOver, and then the week after, he was there. Yeah, I agree with you. I think that I I think that that's what is going to happen, and it's going to be hard to see like the 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 newer talent pick up the victory. I feel like 
I mean, lose lose this match. I feel like the newer talent, the new NXT, has to win. Well, we don't right? know who's going to win. But, but, dude, but I this, mean, is, they, this they... is literally the craziest like team, though, because you have DIY reuniting again. Pete Dunne, like I said, he's been there for, for quite some time now. LA Knight is on the old school team, thi- which popped me big time because, like, he is beyond old school. He is more old school than Johnny Gargano. He's more old school than Pete Dunne. He's more old school than Tommaso Ciampa. We just don't know him on television as that. Is it just because he's like 61? No. Like, LA Knight was was 2013, 2014 NXT. What? Yeah. He was prior to blowing up in Impact Wrestling. He was in WWE. He was just remember. never on, like, TV or anything. He was part of, well, majorly on TV. He was part of Sasha Banks's like, uh, oh, what did, I don't forgot what she called them. She had a crew. It was, it was, uh, there's a picture of it. It's him. It's Mojo. It's Baron Corbin and Jason Jordan. Really? I didn't, I don't recall. That's pretty interesting. Yeah. But, I, I he, mean, I don't even, I, I'm... A part of me feels like he was part of FCW too, but that's my—that's probably not accurate. I don't know, but I feel like I feel like the older guys do have to put over the newer guys. I mean, how do you how do you uh, have this transition of you need this transition of power, especially if Gargano's on his way out, uh, potentially Champa. You know, you need this transition of power, and I feel like it would be a great way to put over the new guys. Yeah. But uh, yeah, I just I I pop big time for that. The fact that because I don't even I don't know if people even understand that L.A. Knight was in WWE then in like 2013, 2014. I don't think so either. You should you should definitely inform them. Yeah, multiple times. But uh, yeah, that La Knight that is NXT. Moving over to NXT UK. Kicks off with Jordan Devlin picking up the victory over Mark Andrews. Before the match, Flash Morgan Webster kind of frantically told Mark Andrews that he couldn't find Danny Luna. But they had to focus on his match. He goes out to have his match. He ends up picking up the victory. It was a fun back and forth between the two of them. Jordan Devlin did a springboard leg trip, which I thought was really cool, from the apron. He also hit a cutter. Over the rope, which I thought was cool. But he ends up winning the match with the Devlin side. And then later on, Kenny Williams approached Subculture while they were at the trainer's room. And he made fun of them for that. And then Andrews kind of challenged him. And Kenny Williams is like, oh, I'm not the guy that you want to pick a fight with. And back down, he left. That was the end of that segment. But we saw Isla Dawn pick up the victory over Aaliyah James. I'd say that Dawn controlled most of this match, but Aaliyah James had a little comeback, but ultimately Isla Dawn able to get that air raid crash to pick up the victory. And it was her first victory in like months. It has to be like seven months or so. But afterwards, she gave Aaliyah James a scrunchie from her box that she had, I guess, powers in. I don't remember she her taking it from Aaliyah James, but I, I maybe she did some sort of like hex on it or something. I don't. I have no idea. 
she has powers that I don't, we have not fully seen yet. After that, Zaya Brookside went into Sid Scala's office complaining about how she doesn't get any title shots and how her dad, Robbie Brookside, was supposed to be talking to Sid Scala and she really wants it. Very spoiled brat-esque. And he makes the match for next week, which she was pissed about because it's not enough time to train. And he's like, it's next week or nothing. So she took the match. So Mako Satomura will be taking on um, Zaya Brookside. And and she'll probably lose. After that, Angel Hayes was supposed to face Danny Luna, but Ginny came out instead, informing everybody that she made sure of it that Danny Luna will not be back or showing up anytime soon. And um, Ginny wants to get her win streak back, so she's going, she's going match by match and starting with Angel Hayes, and she picked up the victory. I think she was, it was an obvious outcome where she was picking up that victory. Um, I thought the match would have been quicker, though. After that, Nina Samuels had her show where she tried to interview Mako Satamora about her upcoming match with Zaya Brookside. Millie McKenzie basically just told her to leave because they were training. Blair Davenport watching from the back. I don't know if that's going to be something later on. I'm not sure. Main event, though, saw Noam Dar pick up the victory over Sam Gradwell to retain the NXT UK Heritage Cup. This spawned from everything that's been going on backstage with them uh, over the past maybe two weeks or so. And uh, Gradwell was somehow able to convince Scala to make this a match and and put the, the cup on the line. But in the first round, he hits the Phantom Driver to pick up the first victory, seemingly to uh, knock Noam Dar out. Shaw Samuels tried to stand him up, but he flops over after the round, and uh, he, he was able to make a, a comeback in round two. Ends it with the, the Nova Roller. And uh, in the fourth round, with literally like eight seconds left, he was able to make Gradwell tap out to secure that victory. Uh, overall, it was a decent episode of NXT UK. It was fun to watch wrestling on Thanksgiving. Uh, and that's NXT UK moving over to SmackDown. Caleb Braxton went to address Brock Lesnar's suspension. But Roman Reigns and Paul Heyman came out and said that they don't discuss rumors. And made Caleb Braxton leave. Roman Reigns called Brock and Big E both losers. And he said that he'll beat anybody who wins the Black Friday Invitational Battle Royal. Later on, Paul Heyman warned Kayla Braxton that if she didn't get a confirmation of the story about Brock Lesnar's suspension being indefinite or or up or whatever, being true or false, she's going to be gone. So he thinks. Rumors. Uh, First match of the evening, Jeff Hardy and Drew McIntyre picked up the victory over Happy Corbin and Madcap Moss. I wasn't really a fan of this match. It was Kind of pointless to me. Almost like something we would have seen on like a tribute to the troop show. McIntyre hit a Claymore and tagged Jeff Hardy in for a Swanton victory. Maybe they're pushing them as a tag team some somewhere down the line. Given what happens on SmackDown, I don't I don't think so, but after that, Cesaro picked up the victory over Ridge Holland. Sheamus was in his corner. Uh maybe kind of like a Dave Taylor mentoring Drew McIntyre situation. Uh, 
I thought it was a decent showcase match for uh, Ridge Holland's strength. Cesaro won with a quick pin, and I, I wish this match was longer. After that, Angel Garza picked up the victory over Rick Boogs in a Thanksgiving leftover throwdown match. Prior to SmackDown, I was hoping to get some sort of food fight. Boogs uh, and and uh, Angel Garza did not get into a food fight. Did not happen. We saw Boogs, though, hit a, a, a nice upside-down bear hug into a gut wrench suplex, which I thought was cool. But Humberto Carrillo took Rick's guitar, started playing it. Nakamura kicks him, and he goes through the table of food. That distracted Rick Boogs, and Angel Garza hit the wing clipper to win. Uh, after that, Charlotte Flair was interviewed by Michael Cole about losing to Becky Lynch at Survivor Series, and she blamed the referee because Becky cheated to win. And then Michael Cole asked her about the near future, and she said that she's the most dominant woman in sports entertainment, which brings out Tony Storm. Flair takes a cheap shot. She threw pie at her more than once. Leftover from the, the leftover battle gimmick from prior. I feel like they could have brawled or something instead of just embarrassing Tony Storm twice. Like, why would she just stand there after being pied? That, it made no sense. We saw Sasha Banks speak to Sonya Deville backstage about how she should have been able to pick her own teammates for the Survivor Series team. And maybe then she would have won because she was screwed by her own teammates. And had Naomi been on her team, they probably would have won, is what she said. Sasha Banks then questioned if Sonya Deville might be jealous of Naomi. And then Sonya Deville pitches a tag team match, which we see Team Bad pick up the victory over Natalia and Shayna Baszler. At one point earlier on in the match, Shayna Baszler had Naomi and Akira Fuda clutch. And Sasha Banks went into the ring to hit a backstabber to get the, the clutch off of Naomi. I'm not sure why that took place. That seemingly shouldn't have happened, like, rule-wise. But I liked the double miss of the hot tag spot to Sasha Banks later on. Naomi then kicks out of a bunch of pins from Natalia and gets a sunset flip on Natty to pick up that victory. We saw another Zaya Lee vignette. Still no date or anything, still just coming soon. And then, earlier in the night, Drew McIntyre asked Adam Pearce about being in the main event, the Battle Royal Invitational, and Pearce said he wasn't sure about who's going to be on the list, and when McIntyre went to go look to see if his name was on the list, Sheamus informed him that he's not in the match. Sheamus was, Ridge Holland, Ricochet, Drew Gulak, Sami Zayn, the Viking Raiders, Happy Corbin, and Madcap Moss. Jinder Mahal, Shanky, Los Lotharios, Mansoor, Jeff Hardy, Mace, Cesaro, they were all in this match. McIntyre, before the match even starts, runs down with Angela, chases everyone out of the ring. He wants in the match. Pierce tries to talk to him. It cuts to commercial, and when they come back, no mention of Drew McIntyre. The Black Friday Invitational Battle Royal kind of sucked it came down to Jeff Hardy Sheamus Ricochet Happy Corbin and Sami Zayn everybody forgot about Sami Zayn and Jeff Hardy 
won the match. And while he was celebrating, Sami Zayn eliminated him. And he was about to be interviewed afterwards by Kayla Braxton. But she received news that Brock Lesnar's suspension has been lifted and he will be at SmackDown next week. Again, I mean, we spoke about it during Survivor Series. I was under the impression that it was 100% like not rumors. I thought it was 100% a a confirmed thing. Uh, This week's SmackDown, though, kind of uh, sucked. Kind of sucked, but... That's SmackDown. I'm going to take a quick little break and hear a word from our sponsor over at Manscaped. We'll be right back here on Marking Out. Support for Marking Out is brought to you by Manscaped, who are the best in men's below-the-waist grooming. Manscaped offers precision-engineered tools for your family jewels. They obsess over their technology developments to provide you the best tools for your grooming experience. Look, I mean, I've done it. Dave's done it, Brandon's never done it. You're down there, you, sh- you know, shave it up, making sure everything looks clean and fresh, and you get a nick. You get a little cutsky there, and it stinks. It's no, it, it's no fun whatsoever. So that's why Manscaped has redesigned the electric trimmer. It's the ball hair trimmer equivalent of Shawn Michaels versus The Undertaker at WrestleMania 25. When I tell you this is premium, I mean premium. The battery will last up to 90 minutes so you can take a longer shave. Because we all know that Brandon's going to need it. The waterproof technology allows you to groom in the shower. So that way, you don't make a mess all over your bathroom. The one coolest feature is the LED light which illuminates grooming areas for a closer, more precise trimming. They've also upgraded to a 7,000 RPM motor with quiet shrug technology. And let's not forget about the charging stand. Show your mower off loud and proud because this intelligently designed stand is a convenient charging dock powered by USB. So that way, I can charge my lawnmower 3.0 my camera batteries and my phone all on the same shelf huzzah if you're listening to me speak right now i want you to experience it firsthand for yourself trim that junk of yours and get 20 percent off and free shipping with the code regardless that's one for this uh, read at manscape.com your balls will thank you. Get 20% off and free shipping with the code REGARDLESS. That's two for this read at manscaped.com. That's 20% off and free shipping at manscaped.com and use the code REGARDLESS. That's three for this read. And folks, if you want your boomer sooner to be fruity, delicious, fruity, fruity, delicious, fruity, delicious, well, then use the code REGARDLESS to get 20% off and free shipping. That's now four for this read. Don't forget to sauce it. Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, to Marking Out, episode 564. Head over to manscaped.com, get the lawnmower 4.0. Get yourself 20% off and free shipping with the code REGARDLESS. Moving over to AEW Rampage from last week, we saw Darby Allen pick up the victory over Billy Gunn. I don't think this match was needed. But uh, I'm totally down to see Billy Gunn when I go to AEW Dynamite and Rampage. Billy Gunn spent most of this match tossing, like literally tossing Darby Allen around. Inside the ring, outside the ring. He then misses a stinger splash in the corner. Darby hits a stunner. A code red. And then a coffin drop, which Billy Gunn kicks out of without even a one count. Darby runs back up to the top turnbuckle, hits another coffin drop, picks up the victory. I thought maybe, like, I don't understand how the first one he, ki- he kicks out before even one count. Then the second one, which took place right after that, boom, one, two, three. 
Afterwards, the gun club jumped Darby Allen. Sting tried to make the save, and Billy Gunn attacked him. He got laid out, so they're setting the seeds right there for Billy Gunn versus Sting, which is a bizarre sentence to say. Uh, After that, Jade Cargill picked up the victory over Red Velvet to advance in the TBS title tournament. Much like the last match, I thought it was way too long. There's promise that both of these women can be really good someday but unfortunately right now I think they're both still really green and it really showcased it was showcased in this match I'm not saying the match sucked but perhaps against different opponents it could have been much better I did like the choke slam that Jade Cargill did to Red Velvet on the apron I thought that was cool Main event, though, saw Jurassic Express pick up the victory over the Undisputed Era. What else am I going to call them? The Elite plus Fish? It was Bobby Fish and Adam Cole. It was Undisputed Era, which I, right off the bat, wondered how Bobby Fish was thinking coming out to a knockoff of his NXT theme song, because Adam Cole's theme song is clearly a knockoff of the Undisputed Era theme song. Both really great theme songs. Uh, But unlike the last two matches, this match was too short. I enjoyed the heck out of this match. I thought it was was really good. I liked that uh, at one point, a really nice hot tag from Jungle Boy to Luchasaurus. I liked the kick and kneecap brain buster combo from Bobby Fish and Adam Cole. I liked that Jungle Boy tried to reverse the last shot with a snare trap. Adam Cole got out of it, but I still like that attempt. We saw the Panama Sunrise reversal into a powerbomb, which is also another another nice spot. But the Young Bucks came out. Christian chased them off with a chair. Adam Cole also left, leaving Bobby Fish by himself alone in the ring to tap out to a snare trap. Like I said, I wish this match was longer. Moving over to AEW Dynamite, we saw MJF come out, cut a promo on CM Punk before his match. We thought it was just going to go right into the the match, but we had a 20-minute segment here of back and forth between MJF and CM Punk. There was a bunch of WWE mentions in this, but overall, I thought it was really good. CM Punk responded to MJF, called him a less famous Miz. MJF basically making fun of all the promos that we've seen and heard from CM Punk since coming to AEW. A hundred percent spot on. He mentioned how this is a PG punk and he might as well just be saying hustle, loyalty and respect. And he also brought up triple H and how CM Punk couldn't hold anything up to CM uh, up to triple H or John Cena. CM Punk then mentioned MJF marking out for Rosie O'Donnell, which I popped for. And uh, we saw CM Punk, or heard CM Punk, say that MJF can't do anything without backup, which is not entirely uh, false. That's how he wanted the pay-per-view. CM Punk also mentioning that Britt Baker replaced MJF as one of the pillars of AEW. It almost went to blows, but it ended. MJF walked off, I believe. And really, for me, this was 100% a WWE opening. This was like 
the AEW fans always they're like, oh my god, we get professional wrestling right off the bat. And this for me was this was a 20 minute segment, like I said, back and forth. I thought this was fantastic. It then led into CM Punk picking up the victory over QT Marshall. How they go from that opening segment to this match to me is mind-boggling. I couldn't even believe that this match got a commercial break for it. Obviously, CM Punk was winning this match. Don't think it was a necessary thing to have a 15-minute match following that 20-minute segment. Tony Schiavone interviewed Christian Cage and Jurassic Express backstage. Christian said that Jurassic Express are the number one contenders right now for the tag team championships. And he's just going to be making sure that he does everything possible so that they win the titles. Nothing more to mention from that. Uh, Whether or not they take the titles, we shall see. But uh, I'm a big fan of Jungle Boy and Luchasaurus, so I wouldn't mind seeing it down the line at some point. Backstage, also, Eddie Kingston was eating. And 2.0 and Daniel Garcia approached him. Matty Martell told Eddie Kingston that he doesn't come off as hungry anymore. And that's basically the kiss of death for a a fighter. And then Chase Parker brought up how he couldn't help his friend Moxley. Which then triggers Kingston. He gets pissed off. And Daniel Garcia threw coffee in his face. The segment... Do I like the mentioning of Moxley there? Not really. But, because uh, that's an unfortunate circumstance. But uh, I'm I'm happy that 2.0 get to be on TV. After that, the Gun Club, Colton and Billy Gunn, picked up the victory over Bear Country. Gun Club have been undefeated, so of course they were winning this match. Not much to really say here. It was an obvious outcome. But Sting comes out afterwards. Austin goes after him and Darby out of nowhere pounces his pounces him down to the to the ground. They both go into the ring. Billy and Colton leave. And like I said with Rampage, this is one of those things where on television I do not need to see Billy Gunn or Sting wrestling, but if I'm there live, I'm 100% down to see Sting and Billy Gunn wrestling. So Here's hoping that takes place at UBS Arena. (laughs) Maybe a tag team match between the Gun Club and Darby Allin and Sting. I'm all for that. AEW announced Battle Battle of the Belts taking place in Charlotte, North Kakalak on January 8th. It will be a Saturday special event on TNT. Just one of those... uh, Specials that they discussed many moons ago. Finally getting to see one January 8th. After that, the Undisputed Era were backstage. Obviously pissed off that they lost on Rampage. But they got cut off by the best friends. And then Undisputed Era made fun of them. So I could only assume that we'll be seeing that match take place next week on either Dynamite or Rampage. After that, Team Taz backstage yelling at... uh, or yelling about Dante Martin signing the contract for him to join Team Taz. Leo Rush took the pen away from Dante. And then Dante picks it up and signs the damn contract. I thought later in the night we were going to see something where it was like he's 
signed something else and it wasn't actually the contract or something like that. I think we've seen that on AEW before with probably Matt Hardy. That definitely sounds like we saw that with Matt Hardy, but I I don't understand what we're going to be seeing with Dante Martin here and team Taz. Now, um, I still feel like it's, it's gotta be some sort of swerve. After that, Thunder Rosa picked up the victory over Jamie Hayter to advance in the TBS title tournament. They put on a, a good match. This is a match that I would tell everybody to watch. Um, Britt Baker, basically when Thunder Rosa had the match won, pulled uh, Jamie Hayter out of the submission hold that Thunder Rosa had. And then Jamie Hayter holds on to Thunder Rosa for Britt Baker. Rosa ducks out of the way. Britt Baker accidentally super kicks Jamie Hayter. And then Thunder Rose won Thunder Rosa won by reversing a move into a pin. And that to me probably further plants seeds for Jamie Hayter versus Britt Baker. And then hopefully Thunder Rosa goes on to win the whole tournament. After this, Alex Marvez interviewed Chris Jericho. We got cut off by Team 2.0 and Daniel Garcia. And then Jericho basically just warned them never to ever cut him off again. Nothing uh, further from that. It leads into a Friendsgiving segment with Britt Baker, Rebel, and Tony Schiavone. Tony Schiavone brought up how Rio was never eliminated from a, a battle royal. And gets a match against Britt Baker in a Black Friday deals match. Where if she wins, she'll get a title shot. That's taking place on Rampage. I'll talk about that match next week. Match up next, Daniel Bri- Brian Danielson picked up the victory over Colt Cabana. I hate that I keep saying Daniel Bryan. It's Brian Danielson. This, uh, this is not the match that I thought it would be, though. I, uh, I feel like the time that... CM Punk and QT Marshall got could have been switched with uh, Brian Danielson and Cole Cabana. I feel like almost nothing took place in this outside of Cole Cabana breaking two teeth. I think the bigger thing that from this match came afterwards where Brian Danielson was about to be interviewed. He was basically, I guess you could say he was interviewed, but he takes over the segment He calls the crowd fickle, which is a throwback to his WWE character, obviously. And then he brings up how next week, some members of the Dark Order are from Atlanta, which is where they are for Dynamite. He lays out the challenge. It's all leading to Adam Page. Adam Page comes out and says that he can't think of a better place to have a title match than in Chicago. And Brian Danielson turns him down because he just wrestled Cole Cabana. And Paige wants a fight regardless. Gave Brian Danielson the first shot. Brian slaps him across the face. That leads to a brawl. And to that segment, I thought it was fine. I liked the segment. Um, when they finally do face off against each other, I don't, I don't want to see Brian Danielson win the championship. So, uh, and whether, who knows when, when we'll even see that match take place. Right now I'm enjoying Brian Danielson versus the Dark Order. And I know, given that he's going after hometowns, Johnny and Alex are Long Island guys. So I'm looking forward to that. 
Main event saw Alistair Black, no, Malachi Black, Andrade, and FTR pick up the victory over Cody, Pac, and the Lucha Bros. I thought it was a pretty good match. The referee didn't have control for most of it. But a big, big highlight of this match was Cody Rhodes throwing his weight belt into the crowd. The crowd chanting, throw it back, which whoever got it threw the weight belt back, which is very, very dangerous. Very like ECW one night stand where John Cena tossed his shirt into the crowd and they chanted for the person to throw back, which they did. I think they did it multiple times. A t-shirt is a lot different than a leather weight belt that has metal on it. So it was pretty stupid to throw back, regardless of whether or not you like Cody. I I think you should have kept it. I would have kept it. I think that's just a dumb thing to throw it at, at the, the crowd or at the, the wrestlers. But Cody ended up tossing it into the crowd later on. They chanted again for them to throw it back, but the person did keep it, so they booed the person. As far as the match goes, we saw Tully Blanchard get into the ring. We saw Art Anderson get into the ring. Jose, the guy with Andrade, got into the ring, and they both end up double-teaming him, taking him out. And then Tully Blanchard and Art Anderson mutually get out of the ring. Pac gets misted in the face by Malachi Black. Andrade hits that super nice DDT to pick up that victory. And overall, I was satisfied with the outcome of this match. I was very satisfied with the outcome of this whole show. I said last week was maybe the most WWE-esque show that, that AEW has ever put on. But this week absolutely trumped it. I thought this was totally a WWE show. Bits and pieces, obviously not. And again, to me, that's not a bad thing. I don't mind how much it comes off as WWE to me like that. And I know people say WWE is trash and all their their wrestling is trash. Their storylines are trash. Sometimes that may be true. But as far as an overall structure for a show... It seemed like a WWE show. But that is AEW Dynamite. Hey, Brandon. Got any shout-outs? Hello there, this is Randy Newman, and you're listening to Brandon's shout-outs, because you got some shout-outs from Brandon. Now when do I get paid? The first shout-out goes to Randy Orton. Uh, Sunday marked a new record for the most pay-per-view matches won by anyone in WWE history. He was previously tied with Kane at 176, I believe. So that's like, that's pretty crazy that Randy Orton has been on that many pay-per-views. I think that the most fascinating thing is to see the transition of Randy Orton as a person, not a wrestler, as a person. You know, we, we know about how egotistical and his level of arrogance when he was younger. You hear about the pranks, the 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 pranks that were done backstage, his his attitude problems and stuff like that. We we've, we've heard stories but, with fan encounters as well, but I exactly early on his career, but, in his career, 2000 I think it was 2002 when I met him, was the mm-hmm. nicest. And I will literally never forget that where I wanted my name, all I wanted to Brandon. 
And the, the handler was like, absolutely not. And it was him and Cena. Cena signs his thing. Randy Orton signs his promo. They both, the, the, the handler takes it. And I was like, could you write to Brandon? And, and she's like, no. And Randy Orton looks up at her with like this, like, how dare you look on his face? And he goes, give me that. And then John Cena's like, give, give me that also. And they both wrote to Brandon. And I'll never forget that's that. Re- that's really cool. You know, and I feel like that's one of the, that's, I could rant about that. I don't understand why they don't allow the the superstars to personalize autographs. It's yeah. To me that it's like, hello, like that's a hundred percent. Like, how am I going to resell it? If it says to Brandon on it. Yeah, exactly. It reduces the resale value of any autograph. So that's what I, I don't understand that concept. Why they won't do personalizations anymore. It's, that really it's even, it's me. the worst with like actual, like, if you go like a football signing, a baseball signing, a hockey signing, they're like, oh, by the way, $60 for him to write to Brandon. Yeah. Brother, are you I kidding really, me? I'd rather really just have the, understand. like, how you, like, that makes, it makes no sense. I know. But, but back to Randy Orton, that's really cool. Like, I mean, I've had the personal story of uh, me, Chris, and a few people were out to dinner and um, after one of the Nassau Coliseum shows, and Randy Orton was sitting at a table right besides us, and we were going back and forth whether or not we should go over and say hi, uh, and we opted not to. And then there were so many people bombarding him, and then he said uh, – he told the waitress or someone that that's it. Please, like, keep them away. That's it. And then one of the dads started yelling at Randy Orton, like – just a a barrage of insults and Randy Orton stood up for himself rightfully so so and it's just like I don't know you but back to the transition you see all those antics and stuff like that but now you see the transition of like family Randy Orton I feel like since he's really gotten his family uh like children and everything I mean, we've seen else. On the documentaries, he even says himself he was super immature when he was young, and he's definitely matured. Yeah, he came into the, the business. He... he was very young. Yes, yeah, um, and growing up around that that locker room. But now you see that transition, and you really have to respect that maturity factor. You see him putting over people too, putting over Randy Orton, putting over. Kofi Kingston, uh, putting over a lot of the, I mean, back at, when they were younger, you like, I mean, not really real, but he's putting over so many people that I feel like back then, maybe he wouldn't have put them over. Um, but you see his interactions and even on Twitter, you know, even on Twitter, you see his interactions with people, uh, even with other, (laughs) yeah, yeah. Uh, even with, uh, with AEW wrestlers and whoever it is, you see the interactions and you really like, I don't know. I love and I respect that transition of a person to see that. Yeah. Um, but Hanukkah is getting the next shout out. It starts this weekend. Sunday. Yeah, I don't think I'll be doing anything special for it, but uh, I hope everybody who celebrates has a happy Hanukkah. Yeah. Happy Hanukkah. Yeah. I, I should when I say it. Of course. As learned I mean, for I... the Rugrats. Yes, and I think that it's part of your bar mitzvah that if you do not, when you do speak like that, you actually have your title uh, taken away. Hanukkah. So, yeah, so that's probably better. 
Yeah, so everybody have some lockers, have some uh, some jelly donuts, and like the menorah. Have fun, yeah. Uh, but for the final week of me celebrating the twenty fifth of twenty fifth anniversary of the rocks um, of the rock, <laughs> I'm uh, I'm gonna give the last shout out to the main event of the very first live event that I ever went to which was Stone Cold Steve Austin and The Big Show teaming up to defeat The Rock and Triple H. I really have no memory of this match. And I really wish I had a digital camera back then because, for me, pictures definitely help me remember things. Mm -hmm. Um, But it was in Madison Square Garden in 1999. I met Bradshaw and The Godfather at TGI Fridays beforehand, and... That is literally the very first time I ever saw The Rock wrestle live. So shout out to The Rock for 25 years of awesomeness and entertainment. That's awesome. Yeah. 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 And uh, those are my shout outs. Now it's time for our Our... right hour mark out moment of the week i got uh you know what i'll I'll go with a non-wrestling mark out first because i feel like i need to mention the fact that it's the 10-year anniversary of us seeing taylor swift at madison square garden this past week on her my Steve life now has, tour. my life really changed after that event no maybe it didn't for you but uh well it didn't for me either but <laughs> but like it literally dude that concert it ended up so she's talking about how like how she i think she was saying how she had to uh perform a song in school and her parents told her like oh that's funny because like you're actually named after james taylor and she was giving us the origin story of her name, and she's like, and you never know, it's Madison Square Garden, there's magicalness happens here. You never know if James Taylor might just come out and perform or whatever. And then James Taylor showed up, and for me, he plays Fire and Rain, and sings with her, and plays that. He plays along with 15 after that. For me, that was literally one of my most favorite moments from a concert, and a genuine mark-out moment for me. That's awesome. I thought that was cool. But as for wrestling, um, during the amazing Spider-Man in one scene, also spoiler alert, I guess, but I mean, it came out how many years ago that to the point where you should have seen it by now. But in one scene, Peter Parker falls through the roof of a building and lands in like an old dusty gym with a wrestling ring set up. And, Like, immediately I thought it was cool because the previous incarnation of Spider-Man had Macho Man and a wrestling scene in it. But the scene gets even cooler because he sees a poster of a lucha mask on the wall. And in this movie, that's where Peter Parker got the idea for the the mask design of Spider-Man. And it made me wonder if, like, if Steve Ditko and, and Stan Lee got the idea from, like luchadors because if you look at el santo his the eye shape of his mask is very similar to spider-man it's very possible i mean i feel like they have taken a lot of aspects from uh from 
I don't know, modern culture. I don't know. So I think that'd I be really it. cool. And I, I popped at that. I also, uh, I marked out Big E having Seinfeld gear at Survivor Series and then Festivus gear on Monday Night Raw, which is also still Seinfeld. But I thought it was funny because he had phrases from Seinfeld all over his singlet, all over his jacket. Him quoting Larry David on Monday Night Raw, like I said, it was a pop for me. So mm-hmm. I thought that was cool. And then I was watching the second season of um, Ruthless Aggression. And they talk about the Punjabi prison on episode two. What is the Punjabi prison made out of, as far as you know? Um, I'm not sure. Not bamboo. You didn't think it was bamboo? Mm-mm. I thought 100% it was bamboo. Man, not bamboo. I thought it was 100% bamboo, and they're like, by the way, it's steel painted to look like bamboo. That blew me away. I legitimately always thought it was bamboo, and if you look at it now and you see close-up images, it's clearly not real bamboo. (laughs) Yeah, painted. But yeah, and I had no clue, so... No clue about the bamboo. Those are my markouts. You got any or no? Uh, Markout moment, just in general, the Survivor Series and Thanksgiving. You know, I always uh, love the Survivor Series matches and everything like that. It always is reminiscent to the past Survivor Series. I still wish that we had, we got to see uh, Ultimate Warrior and Macho Man versus uh, Razor Ramon and Ric Flair. You know? It's it's always reminiscent of the old days. But, yeah. And, of course, you know, hap- we wish everybody a very happy Thanksgiving. Um, hope everybody We're still here this is, after the fact. But. Yeah, but hope everybody is spending their time with their family and their friends. And, you know, don't forget to take a time out from your busy day <laughs> and think about what to be thankful for, what you have, what to be grateful for, what's around you, what uh, what you're going through and everything. And, yeah, happy Thanksgiving, everyone. I, I thought you were, I thought you were going to say, don't forget to tip your waitress. Well, I mean, if you're going out to dinner, <laughs> for sure, it's Thanksgiving. Yeah. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, that is Marking Out, episode 564. We are Marking Out, at Marking Out, Marking Out 11 on Instagram. Check us out, BTTG161 on Twitter and Instagram, at Chris Sweendog, at DavidPTDPT on Twitter and Instagram, Facebook.com slash MarkingOut, YouTube.com slash MarkingOut11, ProWrestlingTees.com slash MarkingOut. There is a sale going on. We are the everything else category, 20% off, no code needed. Head over to Manscaped.com, use regardless for 20% off and free shipping. Apple Podcasts, Stitcher Radio, Spotify Podcasts, and MarkingOut.com, which turns 10 years old this coming week. And it's because of Zack Ryder, for the most part, because our interview with him crashed our server. So we had to get MarkingOut.com. And for, for the three of us, we... Wish you the the best best of luck in your future endeavors. 
Have a fantastic week. Really can't spike my hair too short. Take care. Oh, yeah. Spike your hair. Close it spike out. Spike your hair. Yeah, close it out for uh, Come on, you gotta close get it out. Alright, I'll do it. Uh, <laughs> like me on Facebook, follow me on Twitter, watch me on YouTube, and buy all my Zack Ryder merchandise on WWEshop.com. And take care. Spike your hair. Woo, woo, woo. You know it.